Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how you get the best tax strategy in your retirement. Joining me today is Becky Schreier. She is the Managing Director at BKD. And also joining us is Susan Spears. She is the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. Becky, I'm going to start with you. So I've retired. I have no income coming in anymore from work, but I still want to have the best tax strategy. Like I don't want to pay any more taxes than I have to. If I start cashing in my pensions or annuities or I have an IRA, where do I start drawing money first where I don't have to pay as many taxes? So a couple of items that you know, you have done prior to retiring, it, it kind of depends on the mix of what you've got because you generally people that have a pension don't control the timing of when that comes out. However, if you have IRAs and you've gotten whole amounts instead of electing the pension, then there's lots of things that you can do to control the taxes that are there. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I didn't realize I'm not in control of my own pension. How does that work? Many companies, the government in particular, have a certain level of a pension and they give you a monthly distribution and it's a set amount for the rest of your retirement. And you don't really say, oh, I don't need that much this month. So just give me half of that and let it collect. You can't do that. All right. Well, that's news to me. So... There you go. You get what you get if, if you have a pension and you retire. Okay, so, so moving on from that. Sorry, please continue with your original thought. More and more people are doing, they're electing to get the whole amount up front instead of getting that pension amount. And that's where you have control. So if you elect the lump sum distribution that you're going to put into an IRA, then you have complete control over that. Is that like a sweepstakes where you lose like 50% if you want to cash out and take the lump sum? No, it really is not. (laughs) You do get it. However, it's riskier because the pension will give you that same amount for the rest of your life. The lump sum, if you take too much out, you have the, you know, potential of running out of that income. So you're, you're saying I'm going to be a better manager of that. 
than these pension guys who are just promising me this much for the rest of my life. Okay. So that's kind of a question that you're going to make as you retire, not necessarily after you've retired. Well, since that one is semi out of our control, except for, like you said, taking a lump sum or just taking the monthly payments, let's move on to other retirement funds we have access to. What is the best way to draw from some of these retirement funds to reduce our tax burden? So in the very first years of your retirement, you're saying you have no more income. You literally, if you did nothing, would have no income whatsoever for that year. In those years, I I kind of consider them a sweet spot before you hit 70 or 72. Most people now, they, they can go to 72 without having to take a required minimum distribution from their IRAs. So in those years, after retirement, before 72, you have some time where your actual income is not highly taxed. So your Social Security may not even be taxed at that point. So what I try to have people do, if they have fully taxable IRAs, I try to have them convert some of that into a Roth IRA for that year up to a certain level before they hit the higher brackets and pay some tax on that, but have it into a Roth IRA, which converts it from being taxable in the future and subject to required minimum distributions to being non-taxable. So they have a little bit of a nest egg that is a non-taxable, non-required minimum distribution. And if they do that a little bit every year until they hit 72, they're gonna have this nice fund that is not taxable. Just a reminder that the Roth IRA, that money is taxed before you stick it in the Roth IRA account, which is why you are not taxed when you draw that money out later in life. Right. And it is for future down the road. You want to leave it at least four years. And it's really your extra funds. Because what happens when you retire is you you have your Social Security and then you have your pension. And when you start adding these things up, the Social Security becomes taxable. And it goes from not being taxable to adding 50% to your income to adding 85% to your income and paying tax on it. And most people hit that because it happens at a very low income level. So if you have anything but Social Security, you're going to pay tax on it. If I was, I didn't think about life, I didn't do an IRA, I don't have a pension plan, I have nothing. If I only have Social Security, will I still be taxed? You won't. And that's why I'm saying that in those early years, if you either have plenty from your Social Security or you have income that you don't have to draw on yet, you have outside sources to fund, that's when you roll IRAs into Roth because you don't want to waste that tax bracket that you don't pay tax on during those particular years. Yeah. Social Security, it's, it's, Literally, you take half of Social Security, add it to your other income, and as it goes over a certain threshold, which is like 26000 and 44000 so we're not talking a lot of income, you go over those thresholds and you start to pay tax on your Social Security. Susan, do you have anything to add to this part of the conversation before our break? 
you know, Becky makes some great points there where there's kind of an order that you want to start pulling that out in. And there is that sweet spot where if you don't need to, don't necessarily want to start pulling out those required minimum distributions before 72, if you can kind of bankroll a little bit and um, roll over some of the IRA into the Roths, that's a great planning tool for you. We do need to take a break. When we come back, I actually want to go more in depth on that. When do we have to start pulling money out of your traditional IRA? Because the government wants its money back. So we'll be right back with Becky Schreier. She is a managing director at BKD and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that that affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. And today we're talking about retirement and how to mitigate your tax burden in retirement, what funds should you be pulling from first so that you can lower your tax burden? Joining me today is Susan Spears. She is the CEO of Utah Association of CPAs and also Becky Schreier. She is the managing director at BKD. Becky, in the first segment, we talked a bit about if you can just stick with your social security as long as you can until the government requires you to start pulling money out of a traditional IRA. And I think we need to clarify the traditional IRA means I can put a bunch of money into this traditional IRA and not pay any taxes on it. But once I start drawing out, then I have to pay taxes at whatever rate the tax rate is when I start pulling it out. That's correct. What age is that? And how much can I pull every year? Can I just empty out the whole fund? How does drawing on your traditional IRA work? And what does the government expect? So the traditional IRA is the one that you did not, you either deducted it from your income when you put it in or else you rolled over the retirement plans that you had from work tax-free into those IRAs. So that's the one that the IRS is going to charge you on, right? Right. Now, once it's in an IRA, there's no requirement to pull it out until you are 72. It used to be 70 and a half, but all of us now are looking at 72 rather than 70 and a half. There's an age-related factor that changes as you get older. As, as stated before, the reason that we're required to draw it, we, even if we don't need to, even if we are paying all of our bills on Social Security or possible pension plans, even if we can afford everything on just those, the government wants its taxes back that you didn't pay all these years of putting the money in. So that's why you are required to pull it out. But does that mean I have to cash out the entire IRA when I hit 72 No, that's what I was talking about. There's a factor. And every IRA manager or holder, whoever's holding your IRA, they will tell you what your distribution is for that year, what you have to take out. They usually work it so that they 
pay that out automatically so nobody misses that. Okay, I know this is a fairly low amount, but it's easy to do numbers. Let's say I have $10,000 in my traditional IRA. Is the minimum 2% or 10%? Do we know or is that based? It changes is- with your age. So so every year it's supposed to be what they think you're going to live to be. <laughs> but there's still, there's still a factor even when you turn 100. So, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm assuming the younger you are, like at 72, they want me to pull out. A little bit less. Less money than if I'm 82. Correct. So at That's 82, correct. I have to, I'm going to be pulling out more and more money because they think, oh, you're not going to live more years, even right. if I have 18 more to go. <laughs> yes. It's, it's a factor based on your age. Susan, how does that work for your clients? And have you seen people run out of their IRAs before they actually die? You know, I have never seen anyone run out of IRA money or retirement money for that. Oftentimes, you know, people have savings outside of retirement that they will often spend and live on as well. So, you know, as you look at your whole financial picture, retirement certainly plays a picture, but you've got to have savings and hopefully your home is paid off. You certainly want to be able, by the time you're 70, when you retire, you certainly want to be able to be in a position where you have some flexibility and have access to other funds if you need them. Going back to Becky, you did say that there is a minimum that you have to start pulling out when you're 72 years of age. Is there a maximum or would the government let me just empty out my whole bank account if I was going on some type of wild splurge? You can take the whole dang thing out in one year if you if you want to be that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just want to get that through there. Since we're on traditional IRAs, which again, you would be taxed on that as you start pulling out. Now the Roth IRA, you won't be taxed, but does the government require you to start using money in your Roth IRA at any time? They actually do not. And so that Roth IRA can actually be inherited by your kids and you never have to take a dime out of it. Your kids will have to spend it now over 10 years. It used to be that they had to take a required minimum distribution too, but that's changed. And if your kids inherit a Roth IRA, they will still have to take it out in 10 years. Within 10 years, any amount in all of that, as long as the 10th year, it's gone. (laughs) So let's say my kids are, I don't know, 40 when I die. So they aren't at retirement age, but when I die and I pass on my Roth IRA, they have to spend all of it between 40 and 50 years of age. That's correct. Okay. Is it is it converted from a Roth IRA when they inherit it? How do they get the no, money out? No, it's still a Roth. It stays, it keeps that characteristic. It just has to be spent. And, and it doesn't have to be spent, actually. It just has to be in their bank account and out of the Roth. <laughs> okay, Susan, are there inheritance taxes on a Roth IRA? No. No, because w- with the Roth, you're going to, with the Roth, same as with an IRA, you're going to have beneficiaries. Those monies will automatically be assigned to, so they don't count as part of the estate, if you will. Could you, in your will, if I don't have kids, could I assign my Roth IRA to someone else, or does it have to be family? No. I mean, when you set up that Roth IRA as as part of that setup process, you are going to assign beneficiaries. Those beneficiaries can be anybody that you want. So, you know, the will doesn't play a part in that. that. That's part of the setup when you set those plans up. 
All right. Anything else we need to know about Becky or Susan about traditional IRAs when we start pulling them out and how it affects our taxes in retirement? There's really nothing more to know other than as you take it out, your tax brackets go up just like everything else. So if you have something big you want to take it out for, you'd be better off to take half of that in December and half of it in January and not have it all lumped into one year because the tax brackets as that income goes up and you're going to include all of your social security, you know, it's expensive. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we'll see if there's anything else we need to be aware of in retirement. What are some other things we can do to help our tax burden, even if it isn't our retirement funds? So we'll be right back with Becky Schreier, the managing director at BKD and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking about tax strategies in your retirement. You're no longer working. You're just drawing off of your Social Security or an IRA. And we're trying to figure out what's the best way to reduce your tax burden. Helping me with this is Becky Schreier. She is Managing Director of BKD and Susan Spears, the CEO of UACPA. We've discussed what happens if all I'm doing is taking money out of my IRAs. Maybe I have a pension, your Social Security. But a lot of seniors actually pick up part-time jobs. So how does that affect your taxes and also your Social Security payments? So there's an age, and everybody knows what their full retirement age is. It used to be 65, but it has gradually grown to where I know mine is 67, and I think a good portion of us are at 67. And so up until 67, if you take Social Security anytime from 62 to before 67, then your actual wages are counted against you and you can only make a certain limit. And those limits change every year. You can Google it, (laughs) But but it's pretty low. And if you exceed those limits, then you start paying back the social security that you collected. Okay. So you don't want to do that. So let's say I was collecting $500 a month in social security for a couple of years. And then I picked up a job and all of a sudden my income exceeded what the government thought was appropriate for me also taking social security. I would have to pay back that $500 a month or the portion of it that it exceeds it by, there's a certain ratio of it you would have to pay it back. So it's painful. And (laughs) to be absolutely honest, I've talked to people over and over about it. And if they have any intention of working, I talk to them about delaying when they take their Social Security. Because honestly, you get more in Social Security. And if you don't need it, don't take it early if you're going to work. It's just my personal opinion. (laughs) So if I was 65, if I thought, nope, 65, I've always been taught most of my life, I can retire at 65. And then somewhere along the way, the age changed. But if I still am dead set on retiring at 65, my monthly income may only be $1,000 social security. But if I waited until 68, and maybe just had a part time job, if I could afford it, my monthly income would go up to $1,400 a month. Correct. Yeah. 
And, and social security, it's different for every single person. But yeah, the monthly income from that social security, if you wait, is gonna be higher. And if you're going to have a part-time job, use that to replace what you would have gotten in social security rather than pulling social security and having that part-time job. Susan, any comments on, on that? I would agree totally that if, if you can wait to pull out that social security until at least your retirement age, that percentage increases every year that you wait. So this is where your Roth, your IRAs, or any other retirement funds can kind of come in and help you. If you're still working part-time, you could be pulling from your IRA or from your Roth or, or other funds to help get you through that point until you qualify to take out that social security but your full retirement age. Oh, yeah, because what is the minimum age that I can start taking money out of my IRA and Roth IRA? 59 and a half without penalty. But, but let me just add on that. When you hit 67, which is the full retirement age, you don't have to wait till 68. 67, you can make all the money you want and you don't have to pay anything back. So if you hit full retirement age, and even if you started taking Social Security at 65, and then started working at 67, you're still okay. So once you hit 67, that requirement to pay it back is gone. So I could get my full social security fund at 67 and have a full-time job and have like basically double income. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, But one thing I want to clarify. So if I did start taking my social security at 65 and it was $1,000 a month, it will always be $1,000 a month. But if I waited the few years and then got the $1,400 a month, I could stay at $1,400 a month. That's correct. Just wanted to make sure people didn't think, oh, if I I could take the $1,000 and wait a few years and then get a bump up. It doesn't work that way. Once you start taking it, that's going to be your monthly payment. That's correct. All right. Any other funds? What about stock market? How is that just, it doesn't matter if you retired or not, if you've got funds in the stock market? No, it doesn't. And you also don't have to pay back Social Security for any of that investment income. It's only earned income that causes you to pay it back. Anything else? Any tips for people who are retired right now and trying to save money, especially now that we have inflation happening? (laughs) Hang in there (laughs) and make sure you put something away. I mean, the best you can do is to put some money, you know, into retirement and into savings. Thank you so much to my guests, Becky Schreier. You are the Managing Director of BKD. And Susan Spears, you are the CEO of Utah Association of Certified Public Accountants. And I would definitely advise people, if you are thinking about retirement or maybe you're already in retirement and you're struggling with tax burden, go to a certified public accountant. Find out how you can change things up to help your tax situation, especially right now when money is so tight. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.